John chapter one. As I told you, we're going to be taking a break from our series in Acts for Advent. First week here of Advent. I normally go through a little description of what it is, what it's for. We're going to cover that later. This week may be a little bit different. I'm going to read in John one. Verses one through five. And then I want to pray over the word today as as we as we read it. John one, starting in verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created in him was life and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive and active and sharp, and I thank you that you teach us today. Holy Spirit, uh, you've never left me uh, without a word to preach from your pulpit and a zeal to preach it with. Uh, and I pray that you would take what you put on my heart today and translate it to each one as we have need. I thank you that you encourage us and build us up in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So again, Advent starting this week, uh, Thanksgiving week. I was home all week, which can be interesting when dad's home and around the house all week. And... Um, you end up here and dads, we don't have a lot of variety. We're pretty simple. Uh, so you hear a lot of the same things over and over, right? Mostly dad jokes. There's a lot of those. Uh, but there's also some dad advice, right? Some sayings that dad has, uh, they get repeated over and over and that you just remember uh, for ever. And there's a phrase that's repeated often in my house uh, well, there's a lot of phrases repeated in my house and not all of them will list today because uh, I don't know that that would be helpful. But one of them uh, that's repeated by me a lot is what happens when you use something in a way it's not supposed to be used. I asked that to my children and each one of them, except for maybe Luke so far, could answer it. What happens when you use something in a way it's not supposed to be used? One of two things happens. Either something gets broken or somebody gets hurt. And this came from, I believe it was inspired, <laughs> the word from the Lord, because I kept seeing a pattern. The kids would bring me things like, Daddy, this broke. Well, what were you doing with it? And usually they weren't using it the way it was supposed to be used or, oh, he hurt me. What were you doing? Generally, the pattern came, came, came to prove out that they were using something in a way it wasn't supposed to be used. And, and so the pattern turned into this little dad proverb. So, so one of the, some of the examples, jumping on the bed. That's not the way a bed is supposed to be used. So what are two things that often happen? Either the bed gets broken or somebody gets hurt. Right. And I don't know. Caleb broke one of his legs when he was two and his other leg when he was three. <laughs> Both of them 
doing, using things in a way they weren't supposed to be used. The second one was jumping on the bed. Jumping on the bed, jumped off the bed, way up high off the bed, landed hard, broke his leg. What happens when you use something the way it's not supposed to be used? Something breaks, somebody gets hurt. Everybody, everybody has had or been around one of those swivel office chairs before, right? How do kids generally use that? Not for sitting normally, one of two things. I'm gonna see how fast and how many times I can spin around in this chair. Well, is that how it's supposed to be used? No, it's not how it's supposed to be used. Or I'm gonna get in the chair and my sibling or my friend is gonna push me as hard as they can to see how fast I can go in this chair and how far. Is that how it's supposed to be used? No. What generally happens? The chair gets broken or somebody gets hurt. When you use something in a way it's not supposed to be used, something gets broken, somebody gets hurt more often than not. Maybe not every time, but if you do it more than once, you're testing it, right? I saw a, a grown man had done this. I was driving on the interstate the day Abby and I a lot of interstate stories, but he had a little SUV with a luggage rack on it. And he had a ladder tied to the luggage rack. That's okay. But he had it tied to the luggage rack with strips of t-shirt. And I'm thinking that is not how t-shirts are supposed to be used. I don't want to drive behind you for very long because what's going to happen? Something's going to get broken. Somebody's going to get hurt. And, and, and again, men, we do that kind of thing all the time. We use things in a way they're not supposed to be used, trying to get something done. We don't have the right tool, so we use a tool that'll work. And generally, something gets broken or somebody gets hurt. So I, I repeat that often because I found it to be true. And, and we can do that with innumerable things, including the holidays including these special days, this special time of year that we get to experience every year. We're coming off of one and coming up on two more. We've made it through Thanksgiving and we're coming up on Christmas, coming up on the new year. And, and we can use these holidays or try to use them in, in a way they're not supposed to be used. What are they there for? What, what are they intended for? Holiday comes from the holy day. It's a special day, a day that is set apart and all of these days, all of our days, but these, these specifically uh, give us time for reflection and purposeful attention on, on God, who he is and what he's done, set apart for remembrance. Even some of the, the ones that the, the country has put into place, all of them are around this is a time for reflection. This is a time for our attention to be on something specific and then hopefully a response coming out of that. And we see that in Thanksgiving. We see it in Christmas. We see it in New Year's. There are awesome things that can happen in our heart uh, around these holidays when we use them the way they're supposed to be used. But we can real quick mishandle them, can't we? Real quick we can. I mean, with, with selfishness, self-centeredness, you know, those don't have any, any place in those special days where I'm putting myself at the center of it. Materialism, consumerism, the things I can get, the things that I can buy, the, all the stuff that I can have. And a lot of uh, uh, most of the time we're asking these days to do something for us that they are not designed to do. Make me feel good. Make me feel special. Make me feel a certain kind of way. And we're putting pressure on it that, that it's not made to bear. 
We're asking it to give us something that it's not designed to give us. Kind of like getting, trying to get water from a rock or blood from a turnip. It, it doesn't work. And that's just us individually. It's even harder when we put that pressure on ourselves to be that for other people. Well, I really want I really want this holiday to be special for the kids. And that sounds like a great motivation. But what it ends up doing in our heart can wear us out because we're trying to take on the pressure. I said me and this day together are going to do something for you. It's going to be special and amazing. And it's going to do, you know, really be something good for you. And and we, we mishandle it when we do that, when we try to make it something that we can't make it be. But we, but we feel that. We feel the pressure on those days. We feel the pressure of seasons like this, either for our own selves trying to make it something that we can't make it be, or for others trying to be something for them that we just can't, we can't physically, mentally, emotionally, we, we just can't do or get done. And so what, what that... Um, brings about in us. Remember, because what happens when you use something the way it's not supposed to be used? Something gets broken, somebody gets hurt. What it brings about in us is a special manifestation of our brokenness in this world. And I was doing some reading uh, recently and I found a description uh, for, for this that just really connected with my heart. Like I have felt that way. I, 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 can, I can be a witness to the way this Feels and it was using the word hurry. Hurry. It's like, hey, hurry up, hey, hurry along. Using the word hurry, but really fleshing it out and, and explaining what this, this feeling of hurry does in our heart and in our mind. And the two definitions that, that this writer had, had given to hurry was excessive haste or a state of urgency. That was one. But then the other one was a state of frantic effort one feels uh, or falls into, a state of frantic effort one falls into in response to inadequacy, fear, and guilt. This frantic effort that one falls into, if you ever fell into anything good, generally you don't. You fall into stuff that's bad. One, one falls into this, this frantic effort that we fall into because we feel inadequate, afraid, or guilty. And how much do, do we find that in, in the holiday, feeling of, of inadequacy, that, that I'm not uh, enough to get this done, uh, the, the fear that others are going to realize that I'm not enough to get this done, uh, to, to be what I, I think I'm supposed to be, and, and then guilt over that, that, that I can't be that for you that I can't help you the way I want to help you, that I can't bless you the way I want to bless you, the, the um, guilt that comes from that. And so to try to meet that or because we feel that we start to fall into this frantic effort. And uh, obviously it's there, there's too much to do and it results in us feeling hurt or broken or, or something else getting hurt. And broken. And we see that frantic effort in response to inadequacy, fear and guilt. Uh, we're at risk for that normally, but especially around the holidays. Because what, what are some of the questions you start to get around the holidays? It's going to be like, hey, hey, Stephen, what would you get Kelly for Christmas? 
What's Kelly's big Christmas present for the year? All of a sudden, I feel like whatever I've gotten her, which usually I'm late getting her, <laughs> is not enough. You know, it's like, oh, man. And, and, and then, then how is this person that's asking me this? What are they going to think? Or, hey, what would you get the kids for Christmas? What are the kids getting for Christmas? What's their big present for Christmas? And, and that's putting pressure on me thinking about uh, you know, what, what I'm going to get them and is it going to be something that they're going to like? Is it going to be something they're going to appreciate? Is it going to be something good for them? Where are your decorations? Have you got your decorations up yet? Show me your decorations. What do they look like? How much did you do for others? Hey, have you been, have you helped with the outreach? Have you done, you know, this yet? And you're like, okay, yeah, I need to do that too. I, I've got to got, get that going. What about all these events? The ones we're supposed to have either at the church, the ones we're supposed to have at home. And we got to get together with this part of the family. And we got to get together with this part of the family. We got to plan that and get that done. And, and will all my children and my relatives act angelic? Will there be no drama this year? How will that go? How can I keep that from happening? How can I keep this one from fighting with this one? If we have it at the same time and, and you start to feel this, hurry and in this frantic uh, effort rise up in you and it feels terrible. And the worst part of it is I haven't even gotten to yet is then we've got to post it. Right. Then we've got to post it. So not only hey, I feel all of this pressure of all of these things, but then I feel like I have to enter it into the record of the Christmas contest. How does it meet up against everybody else's Christmas that they had? How are my decorations compared to their decorations? How happy do their kids look in the picture compared to how happy my kids look in the picture? And all of a sudden I'm in this contest that I'm not equipped to win. And again, it's just this feeling, even me just talking through some of it, you can feel those little pictures like, right? It's that, it's that sense of this is going to be a lot. It's this feeling of hurry and it's exhausting and on and on and on. We, we could go again. We're, we're subject to this anyway, because we've got so much on our plate. We've got so much already that's going on so much on our mind because our minds are aware of so much more stuff than we were ever aware of before. And it's it's hurrying and it's exhausting. And, and the, the pastor who was writing about this, he was giving his own personal testimony with hurry. And some of the things that he said, uh, one of them was, all of my worst moments are when I'm in a hurry. All of my worst moments are when I'm in a hurry, when I'm trying to get done with this so I can get to that. How many times do we have a fight when everybody is trying to get ready and out the door on time for church? Our own time for school. We got to go. We got to go. We're going to be late. We have to hurry. We got to go. All of a sudden, everything else goes out the door and everybody's just yelling or crying or screaming. I'm so we come to church separately now because of what we're doing and it works out great. <laughs> but you but you see that how how often are, are the bad parts of us coming out because we're in a hurry Amen. because we're in a hurry. And, and another thing that he wrote was love and joy and peace are incompatible with hurry. Love and joy and peace are incompatible. They don't fit together. When we read in Scripture uh, what love is, what is the first thing it says love is? Love is patient. Love is patient. It's incompatible with hurry and we find this in our life, that this hurry, this exhaustion from it, 
this frantic effort because we feel uh, inadequate, we feel afraid, or we feel guilty, and we're always in a hurry. Always in a hurry. And again, what happens when you use something in a way it's not supposed to be used? Something breaks or somebody gets hurt. And so I, I believe that we're using, we can easily use our time in these days in a way it's not supposed to be used. So the, the, the next question is, how are we supposed to know how something's supposed to be used? How are we supposed to know? This is the way you should use this. This is the way you, you should not use this. What do you go to? You go to the person who made it. The person who made it, who created it, who designed it, that's the person who's supposed to know how is this supposed to be used. That's why almost everything that we buy comes with instructions. It comes with a manual for right use, for proper use. Sometimes you buy things and it has right across the front of it, caution, warning, whatever you do, don't use this, this away, right? You see that all over the place, all over the place. When we buy shoes, in the shoes are little packets, right, to keep them from getting too, you know, keep the moisture out. What does it say on the little packet? Don't eat this. Do not eat this packet. Now, I do have to wonder, does this taste good? Is that why this became a problem? Like, I wasn't thinking about eating this before, but now you've told me not to. I kind of wonder, why would somebody eat this? I feel like I need to know more about, well, why would somebody, why did they put that on there? Because somebody bought some shoes and said, huh, shoes and a snack. <laughs> Just tuck it in there. What do you, I, I like your shoes, thanks. <laughs> Warning, why, they, they say this is for a specific purpose and eating it is not it, Right? Don't, don't eat this. Packing material, the bubble wrap that comes in all the packages that we order. What does it say on the stuff? Don't put this in a baby's crib. Don't put this in there with your baby. Because again, somebody said, I got a new way I can use this. I'll put this in and it'll line the baby's crib. So they had to say, no, that's not what this is intended for. That's not the way this is supposed to be used. But we as people are notorious for this, not just in the products that we buy, trying to use them in a way that they're not intended by the designer and by the maker, but in everything that we do. It's a brokenness that manifests out of us in all of these different ways. Our sinfulness trying to use things in a way they're not supposed to be used, whether it's our, our relationships or the things that God has put in our life that are good and gracious gifts, but trying to use them in a way they're not supposed to be used. It's an outburst of our brokenness. Everything we put our hands to, we're liable to use it the wrong way. And scripture tells us that if you look in the book of Proverbs, it says there is a way that seems right to a man. Amen. There's a way that seems right to a man or, and, or to a person that translates for everybody. So, ladies, you're not off the hook either. Men just seem to do it more. There's a way that seems right to a person. But the end of that way is what? Death. But it seemed right. It seems right to put this in the baby's crib. It seems like a good idea to take this out of these shoes and put this in my mouth. It seemed right at the moment, but the end of that way is death. That's Proverbs 14, 12. And hurry 
seems right. It seems to be just another part of what we do. It seems natural. So does selfishness, doesn't it? Selfishness seems right because we just slip into it so easily like a fish into water. It must be what we were made to do. It seems right, but we weren't made for that. We weren't made for that. What happens when you use something in a way it's not supposed to be used? Something gets broken. Somebody gets hurt. What did the person who made it, produced it, created it say about it? And that's what we read. And y'all thought I forgot about the scripture. We're, we're right back to it now. John 1. Let's, let's reread it. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. It says the word was in the beginning. In verse 18, it calls this same being the son. And then in verse 29, it calls him Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, the word there in the beginning with God was and is God. And through him, all things were created apart from him. Apart from him, not one thing was created. Apart from him, not one thing was made. And it says in him was life, life itself, life that the only life that you can truly know comes from him. And that life was the light of men. And John uses that to talk about the truth and the knowledge that comes from God. So the critical point that we come across just here in these first few verses of the book of John is that we were created. We didn't just pop up. We didn't just happen. We were created and we were created on purpose. We weren't a whoops. He wasn't trying to make one thing and we popped out and he was like, "Okay, well, that's a happy little accident. No, we were created on purpose and for a purpose. There was intentionality. It was we were created by him, through him and for him, Amen. by him, through him, for him. He knows you. He knows you. And there is life in him. And that life is the light of men. Those are the things we have to know. We have to know that that, that shapes us to know that you were created by God, but also to know that others were created by God with, with purpose and with intention. And there, yes, there are going to be ways that seem right to us, but apart from him, they'll lead only to death, destruction and brokenness, because that's not the way that we were supposed to be used. You use something the way it's not supposed to be used. Somebody's going to get hurt. Something's going to get broken. And again, we see that restlessness develop in us and just take over our hearts and our minds more, more in times like this. But in every day of the year, we're subject to fall over into these things. There was a, a theologian 1600 years ago na named Augustine. He was the Bishop of Bishop of Hippo. And I think that's where he lived. I think it's in Africa. Bishop of, of Hippo 1600 years ago. And his, his line was... 
Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And the paraphrase of that is you created us for a purpose. You created us to be with you and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in their purpose, which is being with you. Only one thing can quiet that restlessness on the inside of us. Only one thing can quiet that frantic uh, effort that we feel from hurry. Only one thing can can quench it that, that, that would just drive us around in feelings of inadequacy and fear and guilt. Only one thing can do that. And it's fellowship with the one who knows better. Fellowship with the one who holds life. The one who made us, who loves us and will teach us the better way. Teach us how to live in and with him. Amen. That's what Jesus, Jesus, the one Jesus who was the word in the beginning. Jesus, who is the son, Jesus, who is the son of God, said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke, take up my teaching and learn from me because I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many times are we walking through the holidays in, in, in hurry and we're frantic and it's wearing us out that we could just really use some rest for our soul? And I'm not saying you have to shut it down and not do anything. We, we can be busy and still not be in a hurry. And we need to know the difference. He said, take up my yoke, take my teaching. Come to me, all you who are weary and, and burdened with a heavy load, and I will give you rest. He is the opposite of that hurry. He who has been since the beginning through whom and for whom we were created. He came to redeem us from being used in a way that we weren't supposed to be used. To redeem us from what is only leading us to hurt and brokenness. And he also redeems us from being the one using things incorrectly, using them in a way that they're not supposed to be used. Because again, there's a way that seems right to us the end of that is death. And he came, he came to redeem us from all of those things. That's what we use the word Advent for the four Sundays before Christmas. It's a Latin word just to, to talk about the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And there's none bigger than him. And so we take these four Sundays before Christmas and we point our minds and our thoughts the right direction. And we point our hearts and our affections the right direction to the advent of Jesus Christ, to the, to the incarnation of the Son of God as a Son of Man. And we purpose to, to pause and make sure that we're handling this good and gracious gift of this special time of the year, that we're handling it the right way. That we're mindful of what this holiday, this holy day, this season of time is really all about. And so that we won't misuse it, resulting in brokenness or hurt for ourselves or for others.
That's what it's for. It's preparing our heart to celebrate this holy day the right way. To be mindful of the fact that we're likely to mishandle it if we don't leave him in charge. If we don't, if we're not letting him be Lord over and if we're driven around by all these other things that can crop up in our hearts and our mind. He came so that all who are weary, all who are hurried, all who are worried, destined for darkness and destruction, might know and experience what real, true life and light are. They are. And again, it doesn't mean we have to shut everything down. We can be busy and not be hurried. We can we can have things going on that we can enjoy, that we can serve in, that we can continue to be poured out in. But we don't have to feel like we're being hurried. That frantic effort driven by that we fall into because we feel inadequate, afraid or guilty. I think about the line in the song that we sang this morning, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Right. He comes to make the blessing known far as the curse is found. He came to preach the good news of the kingdom that we could know in him as far as the curse is found. If we track back the root of that feeling of hurry, if we track back to the root of uh, why things seem right to us, but the end of that is death. The root of using things the wrong way for our own selfish pleasure or gain. The root of all those things is sin, which separate us from Him and make our heart ever more restless because we weren't made to live without Him. Don't use things the way they're not supposed to be used. How do you find out how it's supposed to be used? You go to the one who made it. And he created us to be with him. He came his advent into the world to attack the root of our restlessness and deliver us into the better way. Amen. And that's what we're going to we're pointing our, our hearts and our affections the right direction. We're, we're, we're pointing our, our thoughts and our mind the right direction. And this isn't just something you do like, all right, set it. And forget it. It's, it's a mindfulness that we want to carry with us throughout this season that when those feelings start to crop up, those hurried feelings, that we can quiet them with a good and proper answer. Like he's not made me for that. He's not made me for that. He's made me to find rest in him. Aren't you thankful that he came so that we have the freedom from those things which the root is the sinfulness on the inside of us. He came to set us free from that. What happens when you use something the way it's not supposed to be used? Something gets broken or somebody gets hurt. And we don't want to do that with this special time. We don't want to do it with the people in our lives. We don't want to do it with our life. We don't want to use our life the wrong way. It can seem right to us in the moment, but the end of that way is death. We go to the one who was there at the beginning, who created us, who knows what we were made for, and we let him teach us the better. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
Thank you that in you we find rest for our souls. Lord, above and beyond all things, we find in you forgiveness for our sins because of the work of Jesus Christ. That we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus to know you so that we can know the one who created us. We can know what we were created for. It's not to be hurried, uh, to, to be frantically running around because we feel inadequate, afraid or guilty. God, but we, we find our rest in you. Though we're involved in so many things and though we touch so many areas of this life, we don't have to be hurried in you. We can find rest. We see in the person work of Jesus Christ what the opposite of hurry looks like. And it looks loving and it looks peaceful. And even though he was very, very occupied with doing the work of the kingdom, he was not hurried. And I thank you that you will bring this to our remembrance, that we won't use these special times that you've given us the wrong way, that we won't use the things, the relationships that you've put into our life the wrong way, resulting in pain and destruction. Lord, but we'll use them rightly, which is to build up others and to glorify you who brought us out of darkness and into light. And I thank you that as we go into this season, we will be mindful of these things. As we get ready to go today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with one another. Lord, we pray for those out from among us today. I know we've got several that are traveling. God, keep them safe. Bring them safely back home uh, to their destination. Lord, for those who are out from among us today because they're weak in their physical body, we, we pray strength and healing upon them. Uh, Lord, that they'll rest well and, and rise up healthy and happy and whole and full of your joy. Lord, those who are out, out from among us today because they're working, I thank you that uh, you strengthen them and give them peace. You make your face to shine upon them where they are, that they, they may not be close to us, but they're never far from you. And I thank you that they will be aware of your presence in their life today. Lord, those who are hurting and confused, those who are afraid, I thank you that we, you've given us a spirit of faith to see the way that you see. We bind the spirit of fear and we lose the spirit of faith to see that you are light and life and love. And you've given us everything we have need of in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.